set up the show notes because what we thought was going to be a depressing conversation tonight turned into one of the, the better comebacks I've seen in, in late DC United memory as the black and red stole a point on, on the coast in Chicago tonight as we welcome you into Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast presented by Heineken. And perhaps even more exciting, the whole gang's back. Guys, it's good to see you. <laughs> Good to see you. Yeah, coming in from all sorts of places, actually. John, you were very close to the action. You should have gone. I know. I know. I, was, I wasn't close enough to get a, a good feed available on the TV, and so I was relegated to, to ESPN Plus uh, tonight. But I got to see the highlights through, through the voice of Dave and Devin on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, it's exciting to have a point out of that. It was, man, I was. I was ready to be pretty down on this team for 81 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Do you think that the late goals really changed your perspective of the whole game? Because I think that there are definitely still points we can talk about. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot we've got to cover. Um, but I, I, I think the biggest thing for me is for a while in the second half, we, it felt like we were defending for our lives. And, and it was the first time where I kind of felt like we didn't Just have that folks. fight Thanks going forward. Um but at the end, we saw that obviously I was wrong. It was there. And it, and it sounds like we might be prepping for a press conference here momentarily. Yeah, still prepping. Still, still, still getting there. Awesome. Well, we will be carrying that live tonight, which uh, is exciting. And that's something we've been able to do recently. Yeah, yeah. We appreciate everyone hanging with us as you can hear a little bit of the behind the scenes of those pressers um, as well. But Black, Black, what did you think? Yeah, no, I think you hit the nail on the head, John. It was kind of a game where there were a lot of ebbs and flows. You kind of saw what we've talked about, where this is not a team that can press for all 90 minutes, or nor do they want to. You know, At some points, they're going to have to sit back and defend. Uh, there are, were, were plenty of times over the last few years where this team might have, uh, dare I say, crumbled and uh Kind of not thrown in the towel because you know they're always going to fight with heart and grit, but uh, you know, gotten to the end of the match and be down one zero or two zero and say, well, that you know that's what it was. But uh, they kept fighting. You know, found chances. I uh, have a suspicion who uh, our man of the match might be, but uh, it was uh, exciting. And you know, I think that's part of turning the page on the, the new DC United era is to see uh, a team that goes and gets a point where perhaps the situation would say they shouldn't have gotten it. I think they played well enough to get it. I'm you know, perfectly satisfied with that point. Uh, you know, they add up over the course of the season. Yeah. I, I was just thinking as, as John was doing the intro there, it's, it feels like it feels as long as it's been since we've all been on the show together that, that I've seen a, a DC United comeback. I, I was ready to, like you guys kind of hinted on, I was ready to, to chalk it up and, and wrap it up. Uh, about the 70th minute because <laughs> we're, we're kind of used to that but this, the team showed kind of what we've been harping on them all season we, we you got to learn how to get points out of the games like these and and we haven't done that and and we did tonight I don't know if this is necessarily the page turn but it, it's a good start in that direction oh um shouts to triple digit one um who just said that's amazing and happy to have the whole gang back. We missed you guys. So thanks. Thanks so much for watching. <laughs> um, but we also have some on the ground um, knowledge. James Lambert is there. He said it's actually a gorgeous night here, not hot at all, which really helped them late. Um, so perhaps in D.C. where it's been very hot and humid, <laughs> <laughs> might have been a little bit harder to come back from. 
So weather definitely definitely a factor. Hey, that that just conditions you know how Salt Lake are ready for high altitude. We're ready for the hot and muggy, and then when it's cool, I guess we're we're even better off. I'll, I'll take it. I, I'm definitely excited to maybe get an away game at, at Soldier Field. That's you know one that's not midweek. It, it looks like a fun place to go see a game. We've seen all the national team games there. Um, it looks like there were plenty of seats available. So <laughs> yeah, we'll be able to grab yeah. one. The away section is the entire upper deck. <laughs> Maybe if they just rebrand a couple more times, they'll, <laughs> <laughs> they'll finally it's come. It's tough to watch the telecast. Now you see the old, the, well, the, the, the current but future old logo. It's like, <laughs> uh, at least the one they're coming back with is, is so much better. But, uh, but yeah, Sam, I, you, you didn't talk a whole lot about your thoughts, you know, just on, on the game. I mean, were you as, as the eternal optimist on the show, were you as uh, resigned to a loss at the 70-minute mark as the rest of us were? I, I kind of think I, I was. Um, we pressed a lot at the very beginning. Um, and then obviously, you know, Chicago got their two goals. And I think it was Dave who mentioned it on the broadcast, too. Um, we're starting to notice this pattern of teams at home getting a goal against D.C. United and then sitting back really deep. Um, because we just don't have that creativity and footwork around the box right now um, to really break those teams down. So once you kind of saw those tactics from Chicago, I thought that it would be really hard. Um, but Black, I thought you made a great point that we didn't just sit back and get frustrated. I think there were points of that game where the team definitely did look frustrated. Um, but to be able to come back and get that point, and there are a couple of people in the chat um, kind of saying a point that feels like a win. <laughs> um, yeah. So to be able to get something so great on the road, especially um, coming after Philly where we probably deserved at least a point, um, feels pretty good. Yeah, and, and, and it sh should be noted that this is not full-strength DC United. Russell Canales yes. and Steve <laughs> Vermom both out on injuries, and, and they were just added to the list. Um, and, and we got some guys in the national team camp that could definitely contribute for us. So, so yeah, it definitely feels like a win. I wonder if in this press conference there's questions about the quality of depth, though. This is not a great Chicago team. And there are some guys, and I don't want to single out anyone right before the Frescoers, but there's some guys that make a lot of money uh, that are coming off the bench for DC United and, and not contributing. And then there's, there's Kevin Paredes, who is a homegrown player coming off and, and just lighting up, which I love to see. Try to end on a positive thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, toward the end of the game, you had, you know, Paredes in there, you had Nyman in there, you had Yao in there, you had Skunderich in there, and then you had a, the youth movement uh, pulling the team back, and then. Obviously, the wily veteran and Mara stepping up to bury the PK, but uh, yeah, it's a team that you know has to get uh, production from the youth in order for things to happen. You know, particularly in those last couple of minutes, uh, defending for your lives. Yao had that uh, excellent clearance where it had to happen. Uh, you know, it, it's the nature of the schedule. You know, it's it's going to come and go and. You know, obviously, I think we would love to have Ariel in there and, and Pines in there, and you know, have the, the team at full strength. But you know, that's that's a loss for you. Yeah, and you know, it could have been a very different game. You know, Josh and I were texting a little bit at the beginning, and like first ten minutes, it easily could have been two to one DC United. You know, there were ample opportunities to score. Um, I, I thought there was a, a great build-up play. Gressel had a, a, an excellent ball. He got Roberta. Roberta took a, a shot that was a little bit challenging, and he, perhaps he didn't have enough time to, to pick his head up and survey the field. But Ola Kamara could have been set up for probably the easiest goal of his career if, if Roberta had seen him. Uh, 
Um, and I think, you know, the frustration was really building for me as, as the game went on and we weren't breaking through because the opportunities were there and that felt like something that the team is just still not, they're, they're not as, as just dominant in front of the, in front of the net as they should be. And, and um, you know, if they can get there, I, I think the hey, coach, all good. And, and that, that's hey, it looks like we're about ready to start the <laughs> present. That, all right, we'll get started. We'll go to Steve Goff first. Steve, go ahead, man. Uh, quite a comeback at the end of the game. What, um, uh, what'd you think of the way the team um, kept going and kept playing hard and was able to get those uh, two late goals? Look, Steve, after a hard defeat at the very end against New York City and at the very end for five minutes before the end against uh, Philadelphia, now you're playing on the road, 0-2 behind after creating again you know better than me. You count the, the situations we had, and those situations are not shots from 30 miles. It's are really big, big opportunities inside the box, one v ones with Nigel, Roberta, um, Yamil Asad on a cut pass from Julian, the corner kick after five minutes, and and when you miss so many opportunities and still you are zero two behind, and you have the in the back of your head, games like New York City and, and Philadelphia, well, I can only say congrats to the mentality and the way the team uh, came back. Um, at the end, we play all or nothing. We changed to, to a back four, to, to the substitutions did it well because Jordi is playing the, the assist to Kevin and, and Griffin and Drew and at the end even Felipe. And we play with a big heart. And once again, if we start to put all those situations in the back of the net, this team needs to have six, seven more points. And that's the difference between playoff or or uh, or no playoff. Uh, so from my point of view uh, and the team point of view, I don't think we can do more. I don't think we can play better. The first half was total domination. The only opportunity of, of Chicago Fire is, is the goal. The second goal is a non goal. So, what can I say, Steve? Uh, at the end, I have to be happy with one point. But when you see the totality of the game, we came here to win. And we As you said, the, the first half, uh, you were really in control. You created all of those chances. At halftime, you did make. Uh, Important dynamic of the game. Like you say, you saw it. Uh, the, the meaning of the changes was with play with with three forwards instead of with two. With Jordi, Nigel, and Ola pushing on the three center backs. Moses and Junior playing uh, man against man against Jimenez and Medran, and taking more risk, being more offensive on the left side, knowing that Kevin has more offensive qualities than Josep. I have to say, Josep and Yamir were doing a good game, but. You need to force things. You need to put more, even more offensive players on the field. After all the chances you create, you, you try to force things. And Jordi has a unique opportunity. The goalkeeper saved it. And then in a rebound, Junior missed it. I mean, you can't create more than that. And in a half a counter, they scored a long goal. 
And still, I think after the 0-2, we have 10, 15 minutes where the heads go down and we were a little bit empty, but we keep on pushing. Uh, we didn't give up and this has to be like a starting point to come back from difficult moments. You never have to stop believing until the referee says the game is over. You keep on pushing because you can always come back and the team has enough quality and you have enough potential to come back from difficult situations. But we make it difficult for ourselves. When you score the first goal, when you score one or two from the opportunities you have, then you are in control. They, you can play more in transition. When you are always behind in the score, it gets hard. And it costs us a lot of energy. Now we need to recover. Uh, the, the, the limited players we have available for next game is going to be a tough game against New Red Bulls. We have to travel back. We're going to be back at DC 3 a.m., more or less. So it's going to be tough. But the point for the mental part and for the mindset of the players is, is huge. We'll go back to Steve Goff. You, Hernan, you must have been um, happy with the mentality at the end of the game uh, defensively um, being able to get the point after what happened, you know, like in Philadelphia last week, them scoring a uh, late goal. seemed like the team was very, uh, very firm in its defensive uh, responsibilities. I think we're always very responsible defensive-wise that there's no player on the field that is uh, counting the, the yards or, or willing to to do less. Everyone is running for each other and the group is, is excellent. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's the final pass. It's, it's in the final third. You know, those are big opportunities. I'm not asking for a player, for a DP to dribble three, four players and score a goal on his own. We are creating collective opportunities and we just need to be a little bit more efficient. And we, we don't have that player uh, until now. Uh, it can, I hope that player wake, wakes up into the roster, but it would help us a lot to have to have a nine who can finish those opportunities. I mean, the team is doing absolutely everything. It's, 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 it's fighting, it's creating opportunities, and it's a pity because this team deserves to have a lot more points, but I think we deserve the three, and at the end, I need to be happy with only one. We'll have one more question, Coach. We'll go to Mauricio Gomez. Uh, gracias, Coach, por el uh, por su tiempo. El comienzo del partido fue un poco difícil con autogol, pero en el segundo se salvó. ¿Nos puedes comentar brevemente un resumen del de lo que tuviste en el partido? Gracias. No entendí la pregunta. Decir que el comienzo fue difícil. ¿De qué? ¿Del segundo tiempo o del primer tiempo? Del primer tiempo, por lo que pues estábamos en el uh, con el autogol, estábamos 1 a 0 y luego el autogol fue en el segundo tiempo. Autogol fue en el segundo tiempo. Por eso empezamos en 1 a 0, luego en el segundo tiempo fue el autogol y Ajá. ya pues al final cómo fue el overall de todo el uh, el partido. Brevemente. El, por el comienzo fue fantástico. No sé por qué decir que el comienzo fue malo. El comienzo fue espectacular, con situaciones de gol, con Nuestros delanteros mano a mano con el arquero, peligro en las pelotas paradas, control, dominio del, control total del partido. El comienzo fue excelente, como fue excelente el comienzo en Filadelfia, como fue excelente el comienzo contra Toronto. Todos los partidos últimamente estamos comenzando 
fantástico. Es una cuestión de convertir las situaciones que uno tiene. Así que no tengo nada que reprochar con el comienzo. El equipo rival tiene casi 100% de efectividad en las ocasiones que generó. Vilami tuvo un, una atajada, que fue su propio error por querer jugar corto. Eh, una salvada cuando el partido estaba 0-2, pero si no, Bill no tiene trabajo. Nuestros porteros tienen una atajada por partido. Así que habla muy bien de la defensa y habla menos bien de nuestro ataque con todas las situaciones de gol que tenemos y que no podemos convertir. Coach, that's it. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Bye. All right, that was DC United head coach Hernán Lozada. I just cannot help but laugh because this Zoom call for part of that. Um, <laughs> I think we're breaking news over here. He's just savage. Oh, Akamara. <laughs> I mean, there's no way around it. Like, you can call him the number nine all you want. But, oh, man. I. <laughs> it took me a second there to really compose myself after that. But, yeah, it's, it, if you didn't know it, it is quite obvious that Hernan Lozada would like to bring in another number nine to be a very clinical striker at the top of the system. No, no. To be fair, he said that he would accept, you know, any number nine who could, you know, convert chances and finish at the top. So that could be on the roster right now, but uh, it didn't seem like there was any indication that he thought it was. Yeah, um, yeah, he he went so far as to mentioning that I hope that it comes from within the squad, but I really want to go get a number nine. Is basically what he said. It was it's ridiculous. I don't think this is going to um, tamper the excitement for a certain Atlanta player, especially hey, with all that? the Atlanta. Yes, like Mary. All right, I think awesome, we're heading buddy. over right, back we'll to the right in. We'll go to Steve Goff. Presser. Speaking of Atlanta players. Hi, Ola. Thanks for your time. What uh, what was the mentality of the team when you were uh, down two goals? It's getting late. Uh, the team's missing some chances. What was uh, what was going on within the within the group? I mean, I think we really believed that we could get three points out of this game. So we're, uh, of course, a little bit, maybe a little bit disappointed that we're down 0-2, right? In the first half, I think we're more dominant, too, so 0-2, but it, it felt like it was, the goal was coming. I, I felt the energy from the team that we really believed that we could score at least one goal, and when Kevin does it and we still have time to go, you know, we, we felt that we could score another one, and we got the PK, and then I could step up and, of course, score, but it, uh, the mood in the dressing room is actually like a small disappointment, right? Because I think we we felt like we were a team that, that can get three points away. So I think that says a lot about the character in the team that even in that kind of game, you're, you're a little bit disappointed, you know? But it's very good for us that we're able in a game like that to not give up and, and, and come back because that really shows true character. And that's the games you have in maybe playoffs and other games, right? We'll go to Jason Anderson. Hi, Ola. Thanks for speaking with us. Congrats on the goal. Um, I wanted to ask about uh, this season. Mostly it's been center forward in, in a three uh, for you uh, tonight. It was you and Nigel as a strike partnership uh, up front. How do you think uh, that aspect of the game went for, from your perspective? I think me and Nigel, of course, this, to get a really good two striker system kind of chemistry i think you have to you have to play together a little bit more right so 
me and Nigel is a little bit similar maybe in, in, in the movement. But when I look back at the first half, I also think we, we created a lot of chances, right? So if, if we score one or two, you're very happy with the system, right? So I think over time, I think with chemistry, even that system can be something that we can add to this 3-4-3 or this system that we use today, right? Like it's, it's, it's important to have broader spectrum of, of formations and way to play. Oh, well, that's it, man. No more questions. Thank you. That was a very positive Ola Kamara following up, uh, really speaking highly of the team and their ability to come <laughs> back and uh, get that point on the road. That, Ola that, was in the green room while his coach was playing. Yeah. <laughs> the decidedly not DP number nine, Ola Kamara. But I, I should note before, I mean, I feel like we didn't disparage him, but he is ninth in MLS for scoring. <laughs> like like a top 10 scorer in MLS. Sure. Uh, something like every 70-something minutes he's been scoring a goal, which is uh, ridiculous. Oh, it might have been up from the Philly game, but yeah, he's he's – not doing bad, but yeah, it's clear that Lasada expects to score more, and and like Olaf said, that the squad expected to score more here. Yeah, I don't know if there is, I mean, there probably is a stat that captures that better, you know, more than an XG or something like that. But it it's the kind of thing where even if he is scoring every seventy minutes, you watch and you feel like it should be significantly more. He was putting him in places. To and it doesn't seem to happen quite to the level you think it should. Um, you know, whether that's an opportunity for him to raise his game or whether that's something we need to, to find a different solution to. Uh, we talked about that uh, ad nauseum on the show. It's, it's a challenge, but you've, you've got to find a way to create those goals uh, despite playing bad teams like Chicago. Yeah, and I that's not new this season, right? We, I mean, we're talking about this game, about the chances we didn't put away in the first half, and that's something that we've seen um, this entire season is just really not putting away our chances in those critical moments. Um, I will say someone in the chat did mention Martinez. He came out in the presser and said that he didn't want to leave Atlanta. I was just kind of poking fun at Joshua and Black as our two resident uh, Atlanta nerds, I'll say. Um, he's probably not coming anywhere. Um, but I think we can kind of debate the merits of a DP number nine or even just bringing in a different number nine. Um, I know Joshua doesn't necessarily think that's necessary. Are you still hitching your wagon to Kamara? Before before we get into that, though, I, I, I can't leave that comment, though, without, you know, it could have been a Freudian slip from Vernon when, when he called <laughs> Joseph Mora. Joseph Mora, I was like, whoa, wait a minute, uh, hold on. <laughs> Listen, we all know how maybe rumors I'm, in soccer work, right? Thing. Yeah, <laughs> Joseph can say whatever he wants, but uh, people are still going to speculate, so. Yeah, There's yeah. No way yeah. Joseph. People are still going to speculate. We'd have to paint uh, at least a few murals to, to outmatch Atlanta and the love that he has down there. But it, look, I, I – whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't think Kamara is the solution here. Okay. I, I just okay. thought he would score 20 goals last season because of the service that he would get and what kind of striker he is. And, and look, guys, we're not halfway through the season yet, and he's got seven. So, like, I don't know. It, it, but, yeah, I, I think we're all, we all kind of agree that they, there should be more goals. And Ola's, I don't know how many pins he's got, but it, it's they count, but they, they – 
we, we want to see the ones from the run of play. We don't want to have to count on someone tripping Andy Nahar in the box or uh, who was it uh, up in Philly? Someone just needlessly tripped at one of our players in the box. And that, that's, that's not going to happen against good teams or, or teams that are, you know, have their wits about them. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there, there could be room. I would love it. I would love for DC United to have brought in Lucy Russian with the express purpose of finding a number nine because – Atlanta obviously knocked it out of the park with, with Joseph. Yeah, um, Richard mentioned that earlier in the show. He said, what do you think of Roberto and Kamara? I'm not sure it worked. Um, so we talked a little yeah, bit. I'll, a little I'll bit take that more. one. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I really didn't think it worked. And, and I was excited about it beforehand because I thought, you know, hey, maybe that, that's what these guys need is, is a strike partner up there to take a little pressure off of, of just one of them up top. Um, and and I, it felt like they didn't really know how to play together which could be because they don't. I mean, this is the first time we've really done this out of the gate this season. We've seen it a couple times late in the game, you know, just trying to make something happen. But I was I was a little bit surprised to see it happen. And, you know, we talked about it right before Coach Lasada joined us. Like, the fact that Roberta couldn't see a wide open, totally unmarked Kamara early in the game, I don't think is because he's, a selfish player. I think it's because he's not used to having another striker right there, you know, to be able to lay that pass off because with the system we've been playing most of this season in that position, there wouldn't be anybody else there. They'd be, they'd be a little bit further back. Um, and so I, I don't know that that means it's lost the season, but it felt like tonight it just wasn't terribly effective. Yeah. And that could have been the reason for the whole swap around with, with, uh, Sorga gets sent down and Bolivar gets sent back up. Maybe they were trying to bring in. Uh, Sorga's not a speedy striker. Uh, Bolivar, I haven't seen too, too much of him, but uh, he does look a little bit smaller. Maybe not the hold-up style kind of guy that Roberta and Ola are, but we didn't see that tonight. We saw the, the two of the guys, and, and they're two, our two best strikers. Um, yeah, I agree, John. I, I, I don't think it works with them because I think they're both kind of of the same mold. And, and Ola spoke spoke to that as well. Yeah, I've um, seen that a little bit in the comments as well, um, just that the, the personnel don't really feel right, um, which lends to my next question for you all is Lasada mentioned that um, we shifted to four in the back there at the end of the game, um, and you can definitely shift formation without necessarily shifting tactics. So I think we can all agree he's not letting go of the tactics that he's introducing to DC United, um, but especially with the manpower we have right now, do you all think it would be like wise to switch formations. Do you think that's likely to see? What are your thoughts? I mean, you know, we, we talked about when Hernan came in that we wanted to have a coach that wanted to play a specific system that knew the way they wanted to play that drilled that into the players and moved it forward. I agree with you that that doesn't necessarily always have to be in the same system. I think you get a lot out of playing a similar system consistently or at least a smattering of uh interfacing where you know maybe it's going three at the back and sometimes five at the back uh but that being said you need to be able to, to mix it up you know sometimes the other team has an answer for what you're rolling out there and you need to be able to adjust to it so if that's going the four at the back or changing it up you know, this is not the, the first time that these guys have stepped on the field and, and played most of these uh, different formations. You know, all of them have come through different systems, different academies, different backgrounds. Uh, you know, they can adjust to it. Uh, I think 
you should have a default that's your your go-to and i think we've started to see that from renan's teams but you know by all means uh situationally be ready to switch it up at a moment's notice yeah, I agree. I, I think we're running out of center backs, so we might see some some change in that aspect. But uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree with Black. I, I think having a base, uh, maybe not even a base formation, but a base ethos and, and how you play out of things. Uh, I, I do enjoy Lasada's system, and he, and he has tweaked it a little bit. Uh, we talked about the two strikers up top when we have, we've seen that intermingled some sometimes throughout the season. Whenever injuries came up, I mean, it feels like the whole season injuries have been coming up. Um, but yeah, I, I think we could see a switch to a four or a five, but I, I don't think it'll change the ethos of the team. I think they'll be all right. Yeah, not much to disagree with from my perspective. I think the the, the wing backs are, are critical to the system that Masada wants to play, and so I, I like the the pace formation we're in. Um, I I did notice tonight that there were a lot of passes that seemed just a little bit off in the connection between. Um, Nahar and Gressel and it's like you could tell the ideas there and the execution was just just a smidge off uh, but I think you, the chemistry that those two are starting to build on the right side of the pitch is great there's been a lot of change on the left side um, and, and I think that's that's making it difficult to build chemistry over there yeah I think you're right I, it was what I you probably could fill a hand with a number of center backs that have played on that left-hand side. And, and I don't think it'll stop because Amparo did a great job filling in the day, but he, he seems to be, I mean, we, we got him for cheap. <laughs> he, he was obviously on an MLS team before and, and let go. And so he, he's kind of on that bubble and he's done great for us. So I don't want to like, it's not a knock on the player, but um, I think we want to see someone with a little bit more time and a little bit more experience at this level uh, get there. So hopefully Murnbaum's back healthy and yeah, hopefully we get some stability in the lineup. That would that would do. I think that would do wonders for the team. And Lasada expressed some frustration with that again. Uh, he's. I feel like I'm gonna stop my. He's still learning trope because it feels like he does. He, he mentioned going midweek and having to be you know ready for the Red Bull game on short notice, and he threw out some MLS roster lingo. So I'm gonna stop all that nonsense. I I think he has gotten the grips. I I don't think he's happy about it, but uh, he, I think he's up for the challenge. Yeah, I mean, maybe we just have a team full of very injury-prone players, right? We were talking about this last season, too, and that was well before Lasada. Um, and it's it's a lot of the same players who are injured. So I don't know if we can really chalk that up to his system or his you know fitness requirements anymore. Um, it seems like it might be a little bit more than that to me at this point. Yeah, and I think there is something to be said too. You know, we've talked about giving the team time to settle into the system and you know learn what they're supposed to do. And you know, you're you're still seeing growing pains on that, especially when you're having to plug in different pieces. There is no substitute for playing together in games. You know, John, you mentioned the uh, you know partnership you're seeing from Nahar and Gressel on the outside. That's one of the uh, pairings that have gotten to play together the most out of the squad. Yeah. And you're seeing, uh, if not the full execution from it, uh, you know the the synergy starting to get there. Whereas you know some of the other spots where we've had uh, kind of a rotating cast of characters, you know they're they're still. I know they're all working in practice. I know they're all you know drilling it and have the the idea of what they're supposed to do. But 
going from that to uh, having that natural fluidity. Uh, and the players have talked about that in some of the press conferences we covered is uh, really having that level where you're not even thinking, you know what your teammates are going to do, you know what your uh, objective is trying to you know go forward and you know play the way that Hernan wants you to play. It, it, it's, it's a challenge, but uh, we're getting there slowly but surely. Uh, keeping a full roster uh, out of the injury books and uh, on the field is going to be critical to that. You guys want to play a quick game? No. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Sam, I can't ice you. I mean, like, I'm a thousand miles away. So, <laughs> Soldier Field holds over 60,000 people. Did any of you happen to catch the, the paid attendance tonight? No. Because I, after all the jokes of, of attendance figures, oh boy. Is it sad or surprising? It's not good. Oh man. <laughs> what is it? Eight thousand three hundred and six. Hmm. It's a little rough. Look, man, all their fans have to drive all the way from Bridgeview. So, you know. <laughs> so 8,000 in a 60,000 foot seat stadium is what, you know, one person every nine seats or so. That's about what it looked like for the broadcast. Um, yeah. And well, let's be real. There have been plenty of games where if you scanned over the RFK uh, you know, overhead blimp shot, it really uh, wouldn't look a whole lot better. So uh, The overhead blimp of Zeppelin? <laughs> It's been up there since the, the 30s, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know it, it's a, it's nice to be in a position where we can you know talk about uh, Chicago's uh, struggles and we said Chicago is not a great team. They still don't really seem to know what they're trying to do. They've tried to solve a bunch of their pieces and you know and I think you know that bridges me to another point. It is kind of frustrating to go into a game like this where if you're a team that expects to make the playoffs, you should be beating Chicago. They're not they're not a team that's really going to be pushing you. They got beat, I think what was it, five one by Nashville over the weekend. It's not a team that should particularly scare you. Uh, and, and we've we've had a discussion like our our previous game against Toronto loved scoring seven goals. Their coach got fired after it. Right. We beat Miami twice, you know, in uh, in pretty solid fashion. Miami's at the bottom of the table. Uh, at, at some point, I'm, in, I'm going to be interested to see what we were able to do against some of the better teams. You saw it against Philly. You saw it against NYC. You know, played with them, and then you know, dropping the game late. I don't know if that's going to bear out the rest of the season, but uh, it does feel like this is a game that going in, we felt like we probably should have won it, even though you're on the road. Uh, way it played out and final with a point but there's some frustration there yeah i think that's a valid point black and i pointed out after after the philly game and our show there that that dc united haven't done well against the top tier opponents and i'm not going to say the stat because it's sad and depressing and, and it felt like a win tonight so i'm going to try to keep the good vibes going uh but but yeah, I would love to see the team do do something well. Uh, they can only play the teams in front of them, and boy, I think they they've done a good job beating the bad teams that they've played. Uh, we haven't played, uh, we've played the the better teams close. Uh, but yeah, you're right. We haven't haven't been able to get one over consistently on, on the top half of the Eastern Conference. There's a chance though uh, with Red Bull, they're right below the playoff line. The only thing keeping us 
uh, between us and the playoff line. Um, so there's a chance to, I, I don't know if that's one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference, like you were saying, but it's a, a better team and it's not one of the basement dwellers. Yeah. I mean, we just got done with the whole segment on injuries though, right? And about how this team doesn't have a whole lot of experience playing together. And I think those two things go hand in hand when you look at DC United's first team and where Chicago's right at right now. Absolutely. Um, but when you look at the squad we rolled out today and the, the number of reps they've had together and just how many of those guys would be on the first team if we had everyone available, I think it's a, a little bit harsh um, to say that we should have come out and dominated this team. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I wish we would have gotten the win, right? And ideally, yes, we are beating teams like Chicago, but I think the context is important. The DP number nine is going to come. Everyone's <laughs> going to get everyone's going to get healthy and we're going to go on a playoff charge. Sam's calling it. I love it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I will say, though, I Black, you're honing in on kind of where I would have been harping quite heavily had we not come back and, and gotten a point out of this game, though. It's like it, it, it was a lot of frustration for me during that game of how is how are we playing to the level of, of this opponent? You know, I, I, I thought a little bit of the – the famous Toronto quote from last summer, right, when we, we came back and sort of similarly tied that game 2-2. And, you know, some of the post-game quotes were, you know, a team like that about DC United. And, like, that's, that was, that's kind of how I look at Chicago, right? Like, they're not a good team. They're, they're not. And, and if we would like to be a good team, you know, I, I didn't expect to come in and dominate them you know, 3-0. But there were stretches in that game, particularly in, in, in the second half, where it almost felt like you know, we were kind of getting taken to the cleaners and we looked a little tired. And, you know, fortunately, they came back from that and, and they did push forward with everything they had at the very end and, and they got two goals out of it, which is awesome. But I, I, I'm still, I guess, a little bit frustrated that we were we put ourselves in that position to have to come back like that. Um, because, yeah, I think if we're full strength, Yes, we, we win this game. You know, we're probably not in that position, but I, I still think we weren't. You know, we're not we're not quite as decimated to the point where I would have been okay with losing away to Chicago and been like, well, yeah, we're kind of we're kind of banged up. Um, I think that's the mentality that Hernan Lasada is trying to impose on this team is we're going to get these points, we're going to win these games, and it, yeah, it was I was frustrated for a lot of this game. I will say that. Yeah, I, th I think that's fair. I think I think the injury concerns are fair. I think probably three starters out of the midfield and back line that, that would have been in. But yeah, it, w it wasn't pretty soccer, and, and you could definitely tell the drop-off. Um, but uh, I'm going to try to remain optimistic. I think I think people come back from camps and from injuries and, and just rock out. Yeah, and I mean, it's not a good Chicago team, but they you know, lost their last game. But it was a really quick hat trick um, that kind of led to that 5-1. Um, and they had won the two games prior to that, so they were kind of a little bit trying to build upward. <laughs> so at least we weren't a part of that. Oh, man. All right. Well, switching to New York City then, um, they played against Toronto today, um, and the score was 1-1. So it feels like the first time all season that we're not playing a <laughs> midweek game when our weekend opponent <laughs> is getting that midweek rest. <laughs> um Oh, I'm, I'm sure Lasada would have let us know if, <laughs> if he hadn't and his whole spiel about 3 a.m. landings and, and all that. But, yeah, it's, it's good. We should be, you know, it's better to be on the same fitness level as your opponent, especially, man, uh, Matt Doyle went on 
filibuster and, and talked about how DC United is playing Red Bull ball and whether we all want to acknowledge that or not, it, it's kind of true. It will be very interesting to see what the heck happens this weekend <laughs> when neither team wants the ball and both want to attack and transition. I, I don't think Red Bull are good. Uh, I, I think we're kind of beat up, but sometimes good. So I, 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 it'll be an exciting game. I, I can't wait for that. I like offensive calling it Red Bull ball. Uh, you know, I understand that that's they you know, copyrighted it and marketed it. That they own it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's RB ball, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They can't call it Red Bull. And it's not like Doyle's ever said anything just intentionally trying to inflame a fan base. Uh, you know, it, it is what it is. But you know, there are teams that do want to play similar styles, and frankly, Red Bull has had more recent success with it than uh, DC United has had with. Uh, our trademarked Benny Ball, uh, so why not shift it up? Uh, I'm enjoying watching it. I don't know about y'all, but uh, why not? You know, play attractive fun soccer, and if it happens to be something we can do better than those uh, guys from Jersey, then all the more power to it. Yeah, I'll just be excited to see them home again. I think even just this season, we've seen the noticeable uptick in that home field advantage that they are playing too. What? Nothing. Okay. <laughs> oh man. Well, before we like leave this game, can we can we talk about our favorite players? I thought we were all going to be in consistent or uh, consensus, but uh, Sam seems to have a different opinion. I, I, I'll, you know, John normally leads the intro to this section and then nominates someone else. I'll be I'll, I'll try to be a little bit better and, and go first myself. Uh, I. I as much as I want to give it to Kevin Paredes for coming on and immediately being a spark on the field after, yeah, after a pretty dull and sad 70 minutes for DC United fans, I, I got to give it to Andy Nahar, who continues to impress on the ball. That the own goal was hardly his fault, right? That, that, that stuff just kind of happens. Sometimes it hits your, you know, you, you only get a piece of it and the goalkeeper's already going the wrong way. Um, and, and then he earns the PK, that Ola, who I'll also give a shout for consistently finishing PKs. I don't think it makes you a man in the match or even, I guess it does make you ninth in MLS for scoring, but <laughs> Ola gets credit. But but Andy Andy was the best center back on the field and, and a very shaken up and mixed up back line, kind of like we talked about. So Andy's my man in the match. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. I think he was playing so well today um he was really the only player that was consistently you know beating men to his ball and you know making positive dribbles forward um I thought he played phenomenally today so Andy Nahar for me as well so Joshua I'm telling you there's a chance because I thought you guys were going to go a different route but I yeah all day I had Andy Nahar as, as man of the match even in the first half Hernando Sada thought we dominated the first half I don't know about that, but I thought that Andy Nahar looked miles ahead of the other players on the field at, at times. It's been a nice game, um, which is still, even even knowing how well he's played this year, it's kind of crazy to say that with how low the expectations were with him coming back off injuries and, and you know, at his age, which he's still not terribly old, but he's not, you know, one of the one of the young guns in this league either anymore. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I thought he really stood out and, of course, yeah, the own goal that sucked, but that, that's not so much a knock on him. He was in the right position and trying to make a clearance, frankly. And But winning the PK uh, was huge as well. So, yeah, for me, it's, it's Andy Nahar. 
Which... Now all the pressure is on Michael Black. <laughs> well, which side was Andy Nahar on in the first half? Because maybe Lasada just saw Andy playing. He said, oh, we're dominating. <laughs> we're doing so well. And it was really just Andy. <laughs> oh, man. You know, Andy had another solid game. And uh, particularly his work on winning the PK uh, rate can't be overstated. I, I can't give man a match to a guy who put it in his own net. Oh, I realize that it's not on, on his back entirely, but it came off him and it went in, in the net. Uh, at some point, I, I can't get over that. So for me, uh, the guy who sparked the late comeback, you know, man who you know steps up from his outside wing position, uh, comes into the box, you know, slots it in the bottom corner, Kevin with his second goal and what? And he, I'm not sure if player of the week, but he, uh, you know, the second goal in three games uh, for the team. Uh, yeah, Kevin Brazen is my man of the match. Yeah. Second goal in two games. He did not play over the weekend. Yeah, yeah. So. he had a, a coming off a knock from the U.S. Men's National Team camp. This teenager is, yeah, he yeah, he definitely deserves credit for it. And yeah, now, I, and and that may be, you know, over the match being you know translated to man of the match, and we can you know, have our philosophical differences over why we award it. I'm going to be uh, completely arbitrary, capricious, uh, and say that that's how I'm doing it today. So Kevin, for me. I appreciate that. Someone on the show had to do it. Never, so. never in agreement here on <laughs> tried and true. Couldn't have that. It makes it interesting. All right, well, what, do we, what do we have next? We got the Red Bulls on Sunday. We talk about the All Star Game. Oh no. <laughs> do we want to vote for our players, or do we not want to vote for our players? Uh, look. I was told to vote for the Philly players because that's who we play oh, afterwards. Yeah, we'll vote for opposing players. <laughs> it's, it's the same. It's the same, like, tear that I feel when, like, oh, yeah, Donovan Pines is called up to the Gold Cup roster. And you're like, uh, is he going to play? This is a waste. This hurts DC United. But it's. He might start on Sunday. <laughs> he, he has played this time, <laughs> of note. Uh, but. But it, it's always good for the players to get the recognition. I think it helps their mental. And so, yeah, go vote. Uh, I've seen some of the rosters that the players have submitted, and, and like Lucho has retweeted a few or or on Instagram, and and they're almost all all DC United players, and then Lucho. So <laughs> I love that. That might be mine. Uh, but but yeah, I, I say go for it. Vote for the players. They're not going to play more than forty five minutes in a friendly. So. I mean, gosh, we can barely afford any more injuries, but yeah. <laughs> Give yeah, I, I think I'm right there with you. I think, uh, by all means, I, I don't know what, if there are contract stipulations on getting all-stars or anything like that, but by all, like, how many times do we talk about Paul Ariola being a national team mainstay? You know, the all-star game is not the national team. Let's you know, not get that confused by any means. But uh, for sure, you know, recognize them you know talk about the great work they're doing and then maybe they decide not to go to the game <laughs> should we uh run through upcoming games do we have show notes tonight is that why we're so off <laughs> we, do, we do not uh <laughs> well we've got a, a a rough framework uh but uh yeah like we said dc nights playing uh the 
Red Bulls from New Jersey this Sunday at Audi Field. Uh, I think we're all going to try to be out there. Uh, stay tuned for uh, updates on when we're going to do our post-game breakdown. Uh, after the game, uh, the U.S. men's national team is playing in the Gold Cup quarterfinals, so it's quite possible that we'll be uh, glued to a TV somewhere watching that rather than uh, doing a show, but we'll definitely uh, get that information out to y'all. Uh, other national teams, uh, U.S. women played this morning. Uh and they're playing again on Saturday, so let's uh, <laughs> let's, let's get excited for that. It's the best thing I've heard about today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, other DC area teams is coming this weekend. Uh, Loudon has Tampa Bay on Saturday uh, afternoon, and Spirit are at Louisville on Sunday. So lots of soccer. You know, you gotta love um, Summers as a soccer fan. Uh, always something to, to look forward to. So. That's future MLS D3 side, Loudoun United. Uh, <laughs> as a lot, lot, a lot of movement coming out of the the USL world today uh, in terms of the MLS teams. Loudoun United, actually, one of them that that are planning to stick around for for a final season in the championship next year. At least reporting from the Athletic uh, today saying, but it sounds like after 2022 they'll be moving along with all of the other teams as the draconian MLS rules require them to move to the new D3. Uh, but then also some, some USL news about Central ProRail uh, and, and, and some other craziness. Joshua and I were talking a bit about it today. What are you guys' thoughts on the future of MLS and, and USL? Can they, can they coexist for long, or what does this look like? Oh, man, it, it, it's a lot, and, and I, I recommend anyone who, who is a nerd like me and and really like <laughs> likes to di dive into this stuff listen to allocation disorder they did a whole episode uh they were focusing on a player who opted to sign for a usl team instead of an mls team uh, because they gave him the option to leave because the mls homegrown contracts are normally four or five years uh, but it's it's kind of the start of this this not happy friendly uh buddy buddy system between usl and mls it's it's starting to be a little bit more competitive and, and mls moving into d3 I, I I really think we could see an MLS two come into a town near you, and I I think it's going to be tough. It, it might be exciting for a while for U.S. soccer, but uh, it, it's going to be wild, and it'll be wild to see where Loudon ends up if the DC United gets another team uh, in their system. It could be fun. Was that the guy in in Louisville you're talking about? The yeah. Player? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I saw some of that was breaking this week, and Louisville was like, we're going to do better at writing contracts moving forward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think, but he it was basically a FC Dallas homegrown player who re yeah. rejected his homegrown contract because he didn't want to stick around and FC, at, at FC Dallas for four to five I years. I think his contract with Louisville was like he could leave if the coach left. Uh, for Louisville, yes. I remember seeing that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I believe an Italian team was was quickly monitoring – or. Uh, I can't remember what, what side he went to, but someone was definitely monitoring that contract clause because as soon as the coach left, he, the player is also gone. That's interesting, though, because, I mean, Dallas is selling their youth players left and right, so. Yeah, they, I mean, they are. That kind of just shows the thinking of the players in all this and kind of Dallas is what, where their priorities are. It seems like their games are just showcases for them to be able to, to sell their guys off. Yeah. <laughs> but, but as a young yeah, player, yeah. Go ahead. Did a discussion on USL and uh, I've watched this league for a long period of time and have looked in, at the history of you know soccer in the United States at the club level. 
I I'm encouraged by the fact that the leagues look at it and think that they can actually start competing a little bit and not have to, you know, fully align and have everyone, you know, marking the same beat. I think competition is usually a good thing, uh, particularly when you're talking about sports. Uh, it, it does, it makes me a little uneasy, uh, especially coming out of the pandemic and, you know, a, a tough year for sports revenues across the board to have leagues start snapping each other. You see similar actions on the women's side where, you know, we rolled out uh, a, a lower tier uh, women's league as well, uh, partnering with DC United. Uh, I'm interested to see what happens. You know, I, I'm all for seeing you know more soccer and more options and more uh, different formats. And if USL you know has success with Pro Rel, maybe that's something that MLS mirrors. I don't see at any point where USL grows beyond the valuations you're seeing for MLS teams. Uh, it's orders of magnitude higher but it's interesting uh, I, I hope it, it helps build both sides for the best and that's kind of what we have to look for because if you know start undercutting and start uh, snapping players off of each side uh, the product goes down across the board and that's not, not something anyone wants to see yeah I haven't gotten a chance to read the article but just in the back of my mind floating around is the fact that FIFA requires pro rel for everywhere except MLS. Um, and that was really to get the league going. So again, I haven't read the article. I don't know the details of it, but that's just what's floating in my brain about 10 years from now, you know, what is it going to look like? And is that going to be the push for soccer in America? We'll yeah. See. We'll I mean, see. It, it almost seems like, uh, it seems like USL kind of called here, you know, a couple, couple months ago, MLS announced this D3 thing and said, Hey, we're taking all of our teams and kind of consolidating them here. And USL was like, okay, cool. Like we're going to do this pro rel thing, you know, maybe between our leagues and grow them. And so you guys can kind of be irrelevant on the lower levels here and then we'll see what we build. But yeah, I saw some interesting chatter on Twitter today, just about like the concept that, USL could really now grow two or three leagues that are MLS sized and establish pro rel in it. And then it's, you know, then, then you start to ask some questions of like, if that happens, and I, I don't think that's a foregone conclusion. It's going to be a lot of work and, and, and a lot of years to really get there. But if you zoom out and you've got two or three leagues of 20 plus teams doing pro rel at the, the tier two, three and four level, and this top closed league, you know, at what point do people start saying, well, is that really the top league? Like, why are they the top league? And I think a big, a big domino that's going to fall here soon, we've talked about it a little bit, you know, over the, over the off season, but the media deals coming for MLS are really going to be an important factor here. Of, do Are all these teams worth as much as they would like to think they are? I don't think they are. If only there were some kind of tournament where teams from across the country could all play <laughs> against any other team, be it a bar it's team. Too soon. RIP, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, the top professional, uh, you know, if only there was some kind of you know, way to bring them together, make it just open to everybody. I think they announced Atlanta won again. <laughs> <laughs> That's about the only thing Atlanta's doing. Uh, yeah, we talked about Atlanta a couple of times, and I think, you know, without going, you know, too far off the rails, uh, it, it is interesting you know, two teams that both brought in new coaches, both who, you know, seeking to play Bielsa-style systems. Uh, I think we would all honestly say that, you know, D.C. United is in a much better place than Atlanta is right now. Uh, and I think 
that's something to be grateful for. You know, I was a little down on the performance this evening, but you know, I think things are moving in the right direction. I think Hernan's doing it the right way. Uh, there are definitely worse places you could be uh, than where we're at, and the future does look bright. I mean, as long he, as we're not inner Miami club de football. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just gonna say, yeah, he he doesn't have a DP number nine to ostracize, but he might have taken a step towards that <laughs> against the Calamari <laughs> today. But uh, no, definitely thankful for for Lasada uh, instead of Heinze. It's it's been fun to watch that crumble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, DPs are two and zero against their new coaches, so maybe it's a good thing we don't have a DP to ostracize right now. Yeah. I mean, who's going to fight with her or not? (laughs) No. (laughs) All right. Well, guys, what did we miss? I mean, we went off on such a tangent, so I think not much in the world of soccer. <laughs> That's a little bit of, that was a little bit of like mid-pandemic tried and true there. We kind of <laughs> went, went back to. Regressed. Well, it's the whole group back route. on Zoom. Yeah, we just regressed a little bit. You just start playing FIFA in the back. And... <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, I, I, I don't think we missed anything. I think we missed one thing, and I'm surprised Sam didn't bring it up, but Ted Lasso season two comes back between now and our next scheduled appearance whatever that is so i thought about that i thought about it episode one season two on friday i think i'm going to save it for after the olympics well it comes out it's not coming out all at once it comes out sequentially once a week yeah so i mean i guess obviously (laughs) yeah no i'm excited (laughs) it's gonna be great thanks for the shout i thought about it earlier today and i figured you'd find a way to mute me so with that, we will talk to you guys at some point over the coming days. We'll figure out exactly how we're going to pull off multiple soccer games on Sunday night. Uh, but for those of you who joined us live tonight and participated in the chat, we appreciate it as always. Uh, so listen to us on, on the podcast. Uh, don't be shy. Tweet at us. Shoot us a long-form email if you really want to share a story. It's tried and true, dcu at gmail.com. Um, but you know, tell your friends to listen to us. And uh, in the words of Joshua Morgan, Smash the like and subscribe button uh, so you can hear us every time we're live right here on Tried and True, the DCJ Post Game Podcast presented by Hyman.